Hey everybody, this is James and Jessica Grissom again. Welcome you back to Brews and Views, a show where we like to talk about what's happening in the world today and you know the theology issues, world issues, and how we relate to them as people who um, grew up in Southern evangelicalism, but not sure exactly how well we fit anymore. Um, me more so than Jessica. Um, just because of some definitions that I'm not sure I agree with anymore. So if you're unsure what that means, uh, go back over the last few episodes, and this one is definitely going to be an episode where I diverge from a lot of typical Southern evangelicals. Um, I do want to say again, and I've said it before, I just want to make it clear that um, in none of these things am I trying to point fingers and say you're wrong. It just doesn't suit me anymore. It just doesn't uh, agree with what I've come to learn through my life experiences and through my readings and all that. And there are a lot of great people out there who still go to First Baptist whatever, and I've got no problem with them or, or their mission. Um, there's just some things that I just don't fit into anymore. And at some point, you have to stop claiming a definition that's no longer accurate for yourself. So... That's what this is, really, is just talking about that and talking about that journey and um, where some of those divergences are. So, yeah. Today, I'm drinking uh, a beer called Eldorado Passenger. Um, Eldorado hops um, are kind of a new one around here. It's a hazy IPA, um, which means that it has... um, more of a mellow afterburn of those hops, but they're definitely still there. Um, and it's more, it's kind of like a Hefeweizen to where it's got more of that unfiltered wheat kind of taste and clarity and everything. Um, this one's pretty good. Try again? I think I'm all right. All right. <laughs> Jessica's not the beer lady. Ever. No. I. It's a little too hoppy for me, but that's okay. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, even 10 years ago, I hated IPAs, um, but they've grown on me. uh, And now they're one of my favorites, partly because it's, you know, pack more of a punch. You get get more alcohol content for your dollar. And um, I feel like I'm spending my money on something that's a little more worth it, I guess. I don't know. Um, But, you know, also in part to where it's kind of like coffee. the more you drink it, the more you can taste the difference between the different hops. And so now it used to be every IPA was just boom, grapefruit. Um, but now I can I can really taste a difference between the different hops and everything just because I've been trying them for a while now. Yeah, I like this one. It's worth it. Um, we uh, did this beer of the month club. Well, I, she Jessica allowed me to. <laughs> um it's a it's a beer of the month thing where um, you get you you tell them your five different uh, types of beer you like and they'll send you a, a couple of um, a couple of cans from each of those varieties um, and uh, so like you get five flavors and two cans of each uh, it's called beer drop um, sounds like an endorsement but i don't get anything from them unless you use my link and there's not a way for me to post my link so it's just a cool thing you should check it out <laughs> um i guess there is a way for me to post it maybe i will later anyway 
It's good stuff. You should try it. So it brings me on to the next thing that I want to talk about. Um, and Jessica and I have talked about this a lot. And especially these days, um, there's a tendency uh, for our you know, more conservative family members and friends when we're talking about situations in the world and problems going on. Um, so Jessica, what should we do about racism? <laughs> and the response that I hear is always, well, just pray about it because Jesus will come back soon or until the world believes. And I'm like, well, that's great. But the problem is one, people aren't going to all become Christian. That's just not going to happen. Um, and I think that you should you should strive for living out what you say you believe in and stating that. That's great. Um, but there's that side of things. And then saying, well, we're going to wait until the Lord returns and all that. And we're just we're hoping and waiting. It makes it seem like you don't care for what's going on right now. Yeah. So one of the one of the key phrases that I hadn't heard until the last few years um, is that that style of Christian living is a form of escapism, mm -hmm. and that if all of the problems of this world are insurmount insurmountable, and the only hope is after death, then there's no reason to make an effort. Um, and it's why some Christians, again, not all, some Christians claim that there's no point being environmentalists. There's no point um, taking on huge uh, worldwide issues. There's no point, um, you know, getting concerned and worried and up in arms about a global pandemic or systemic racism uh, because Jesus is the cure. And until people believe or until we die, nothing's going to change anyway. Um, and I have a big problem with that. I have a very big problem with that. Um, one, yeah, Jesus is the answer, but what's the question? So it's, it's very trite in Sunday school to say, well, he's the answer to everything. Um, because, sure, as a final solution to sin and as the person who uh, who works to get us back into God's will absolutely Jesus is the answer and, and that can affect everything but um, saying Jesus is the answer has a lot more implications than um, I'm just going to wait for him to come back or I'm going to pray that everybody else accepts him because nothing else is going to change because that is not how Jesus acted. Um, so how does Jesus being the answer direct our actions? Um, and I have some thoughts on that, but what do you think? I mean, I think it's the same thing like... Um... With, with Jesus and his ministry, he also provided tangible help to people that encountered him. 
So whether that was, um, you know, feeding the hungry or healing the sick or, you know, giving teachings to help give guidance in their life. Like there was, there was some kind of practical aspect to that. Um, and I think that we need to do the same uh, as much as we are able to do it and not, not use it as an excuse to get away from helping. Cause I think that happens a lot. Absolutely. Um, all right. So definitely want to dive into that a little bit more, but before I go there, um, you know, we talk about the gospel being the cure for the world. Uh, we talk about Jesus and his example being the cure for the world. Um, what did Jesus call the good news? Right, but what is the gospel in Jesus's terms when he was on earth preaching? What was the good news according to him? That he came to give life and life abundantly and to give hope and peace. Yeah, so the gospel of Christ is that in him, in the incarnation, in his ministry, the kingdom of God was present. And the gospel is about the kingdom of God playing a direct role in current life. It was about Jesus saying, I am the bridge and I bring the kingdom. And because of me, because of my ministry, you can participate in kingdom life right now. And I think we miss that. Jesus didn't say, the gospel is coming, the good news is near. Jesus said, the gospel is right here. The kingdom is right here. Jesus didn't say, wait till I die and come back and then you can have the gospel. He said, it's right here. And I think that that's an important thing that we miss because the gospel of Jesus doesn't have anything to do with uh, escapism. It has to do with you can claim the promises of Christ right now. You can have a life that is more free right now. And yeah, the, we're this side of heaven, we're not going to get it perfect, but that doesn't mean we can't start. It doesn't mean that we can't start having a better, more fruitful life right now. And, you know, Paul talks about that's living according to the Spirit, and you produce the fruit of the Spirit when you do. And you can't produce fruit if you're not doing anything. You can't produce fruit if there's no water or sun or someone pruning back the leaves. You, you produce fruit in action. And I think that just waiting until the end of time, until death and resurrection for anything to get better is escapism. Um, and so how do we start doing some of that? So one of the things that, you know, always comes to mind when I'm thinking about what does it mean to live a gospel life? What does it mean that Jesus saved us? What did he save us from um, is Jesus in chapter four, um, when he goes to Galilee, this is directly after the temptation in the desert. And it says, Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the spirit and the news about him spread. 
the countryside, and he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And he went back to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone were on him, and he began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So, according to this, what are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> How so? Doing it being like we've heard before, like being the hands and feet of of Jesus, being a light and example of hope and strength and all that by being that person to um, the people that we come in contact with. Yeah. So I think that there are very practical things to take from this, um, that part of our job is to reach out and help the poor. Part of our job is to reach out and help the prisoners. Part of our job is to reach out and help the disabled and to help those who are oppressed find freedom in Christ and to proclaim that right now is the year of God's favor, that every year that we reach out to him is the year of his favor because Christ said that it was being fulfilled that day, 2000 years ago. And that doesn't mean that it did it for a second and stopped. It means it's still doing it. It means that scripture is being fulfilled every time we praise Jesus and act like him and bring others to him. And I think that by saying, um, well, I'm just gonna pray about it and the rapture will set us free is the antithesis of what he preached about the kingdom of God being at hand. It's not about waiting for later, it's about acting in his name now to set people free, to seek recovery for the disabled, the blind, whatever the case may be, to, to seek justice for people who are unjustly prisoned, to help the poor because nobody else is. Those are things that we need to do right now as part of practical worship, not as some, you know, distant future where Christ will magically set us all free. It's something that we're supposed to be doing now, actively and in in practical ways. So the point of the gospel is that Jesus is among us right now that following him leads to his freedom. And if that's true, why are we waiting for death to make stuff right? Jesus gave us the power to change the world, not to wait for that change to happen to us. And of course, it's an uphill battle. Of course, we're not going to change everything. But if nobody's trying, nothing's going to change. 
Jessica likes to talk a lot about working in circles, so tell us about that. <laughs> so, I I can sometimes get very, uh, I'm, I've got a very melancholy personality for those of you that don't know us personally. And yeah, I'm, I can get very bogged down with the details and sad very quickly if I let myself. And so sometimes reading news and current events, it just makes me feel completely helpless of like, what can I do? Like, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about doing these tangible things, but what can I actually do? And I think part of it, something that gives me hope is that, you know, am I going to be able to help every, um, every woman that uh, gets pregnant and she has no idea what to do? No but I've been able to help one or two in my lifetime from knowing a friend of a friend and meeting people uh, in the community. Um, you know, am I going to be able to solve world hunger? No, I'm not going to be able to solve world hunger, but I can go and uh, volunteer time at places like Meals on Wheels or going with our um, churches and doing food drives and things. So I think when you... It, it comes down to that power of the power of one is good because you can make those effective changes for yourself. And when other people get inspired by you to help and make change, then you have two or three people helping. And it kind of just, it has what I call the ripple effect where you influence your circle of friends and they influence you and hopefully that circle grows and grows and grows like a ripple in a pond. And hopefully that makes a, a bigger difference than you could have made by yourself. And that's, that's the kind of hope I cling to on that side of things because no, I mean, without it, um, it, it does seem hopeless. Like there's no way I can solve the crisis of world hunger or any of the issues, but maybe just maybe if we can influence our friends and, and, and I'm willing to be influenced. Um, like I talking about this from, from my perspective, but I've had some friends that have challenged me and caused me to think about things that I've never thought of, uh, essentially to be advocates for people. And I think that's important. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, so there's, there's very practical ways that we can help. Um, we can help the poor we can help the prisoners and especially the unjustly imprisoned we can help people who have physical needs we can help uh, be an advocate and be a voice and be hands and feet for the people who are oppressed those are things that we can do right now and like jessica said it might only be one or two people in your path but it can absolutely expand exponentially from there um, and then on the more spiritual level, you know, part of what Christ is talking about here is that we are oppressed by our selfish nature. We are prisoners of our desire to worship only ourselves, and that Christ is giving us the freedom to escape that. And it's only when we are free from worshiping ourselves that we can really and truly help others in a way that benefits us and them. And so the freedom is from our selfishness in order to help. That's the whole point. 
the whole point of the freedom in Christ is so that we can live out loud and outside of ourselves to help others. And that's not sitting in the dark, waiting for him to come back. That's getting out there and getting our hands dirty to help. So escapism tells us that Jesus is the answer, but that becomes a totem. It becomes it becomes an idol instead of a life-changing commitment to change lives. Jesus is the answer means that we're his hands and feet, bringing that answer to set captives free. And if we wait for eternity to start living, there's millions who aren't going to have the life they could have right now because we didn't do our jobs. Anything else? Oh, I think that's good. I mean, I think that, you know, and I think on on the, the flip side of that argument, like, you know, I, I do realize that this might sound to some people just not um, familiar with the type of podcast that we've been doing. Maybe it might sound individualistic, and that's not what we're going for at all. It's that you have a responsibility as a believer to do these things, not that... Um, you're trying to, you know, do these things to get a pat on the back or to, you know, be Christian with a great badge on your neck. Yeah, with a badge and saying, oh, God, good job. Like, it's, you have a responsibility to embrace all of these tangible aspects as well as the spiritual side. Absolutely. So We're set free from selfishness so that we can serve. Yeah. We are free to serve. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of individual selfishness. It's doing something so that others can also be free and serve. Yeah. And even if that's something simple, like there's been a couple of times, several times over the past 10 years that um, just even saying something when you feel like you need to be a voice or an advocate for a person. Um, like for instance, there was an acquaintance that I knew that was in a really dangerous relationship and I'm not a counselor. I don't have a counseling degree or background. I've taken two counseling classes my entire life. Um, but just being this person's friend helped me find help with her in order to get her out of a tough situation and had I not been this person's friend I don't know like I hope she would have gotten help but just to be always aware of you don't know your your level of influence you don't know your circle of influence and um, be very aware of what's going on around you and try to bring some light into someone's life Absolutely. So let's stop just being passengers on the way somewhere else and start living. Keep drinking and thinking, friends.